Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema, the podcast that has taken a week off. It wasn't particularly intended, but it did happen. And also the podcast that is down to two people this week. Two people. And this is, um... Well, my name is Tosin. I am the host. I'm based up in a place called Bromsgrove in the middle of the United Kingdom. And joining me on the Isle of Wight, a little island off the coast of off the south coast of England, is Sharon Bollen. Hello. Oh, hang on a second. Sharon, I haven't got you going to the right place, so I can hardly hear you. Let's do that. And let's try that again. Sharon Bollen? Hello. That's it. Yes, yes. Now we have Sharon going to the right place. Sharon's actually being yeah. recorded. Sharon can actually be heard, which is good because Sharon is the one who speaks sense around here. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah. So, uh, Sharon, I'm actually, you know, if on this week, right, if we were going to, if I had to choose the person who I wanted to speak to about a show that I would watched, I think it would have been you. Out of out of all of us, like okay. with Sean and Holly, I'd be like, no, I want to speak to Sharon about this show because I think Sharon would, it's, you know, every now and then we watch a show and one of us would be like, oh, I think you'd like this show. Oh, I think you'd like this show. And this is one that that I'm, I'm surprised I've never heard you speak about it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised I've never heard you speak about it because I would have thought, I was, I was, I was like watching it going, this should be right off Sharon's alley. Why? Why haven't I seen it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's like I yeah, might have missed it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but well, then is I missed it and it's been there. Well, anyway, but okay. So what we do on this show is that we the show is called Netflix Cinema. We go to the cinema. We see a couple of things. We stay at home and we see a couple of things on various various different streaming platforms, not just Netflix. We rate everything out of five, and at the end of the day, we say where has the money been better spent this week? So, what have you seen in the cinema? What are you bringing forth from the cinema this week, Sharon? I went to see the film called She Said at the she cinema. She Said. Yes, the, the, from what I understand, that's the journalistic film about how they broke the Harvey Weinstein story and uh, that led to the Time's Up and the... The Me Too. It? Me Too, that was it. That's, <laughs> that's it. it, yeah. Oh, good Lord. I just, I had a blank there. I was about to say that it's okay. I was like, no, it's not. It's very much not okay. okay. <laughs> it's very much not okay. Why? 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 why it's okay. Pop into my head. What the heck? So, right. Okay. So all right. So so you saw. She said in cinema. I saw Strange World. I saw uh, saw Strange World in cinema. And um, what did you see at home? I saw a Netflix film, a Norwegian film called Troll. Troll. Now, now I, I saw the poster for this and I was like, and I had to double check because a couple of years ago there was a, oh, I I think it was Swedish, a Swedish film called Troll Hunter. I've seen it. Yeah, I think I think it was Scandinavian, but I... It was a Scandi, certainly, wasn't it? I, I have yeah. seen that as well, but I can't yeah. remember if that was Norwegian or if that was, because the trolls are, you know, that part of the world, aren't they? Finland, Sweden, Norway... Or was it Danish? <laughs> Denmark is a bit further south, yeah. <laughs> they they travelled a long way, those trolls. <laughs> but it's not that folklore. And Iceland, probably. It yeah, travels all around remember, that folklore. Yeah, and I remember looking at, I remember seeing the poster for Troll, and I remember it, it made me think a little bit of Troll Hunter, and I was like, is this the. And I realised, no, it's a different film, different film on Netflix. So, yeah, I'm interested to hear about that. And the show that I was talking about, that I was like, okay, now this is a show that if I had to choose somebody to talk to about this show, it would be Sharon. 
And that is a show on BBC iPlayer called Mum. Simply called Mum, starring Leslie Manville. Okay. Yeah, yeah no, um, I... Uh, okay, I've, all right, cool. It, it's ringing a bell, but I don't think I've seen it. I know I haven't seen it. All right, okay, cool. I we will I will talk about that. I will talk about that and um later on and I can talk, I can go through all the reasons why I'm like, "Ooh, ooh, I think I I think Sean would have would like this." Uh, I'll go through all of those then. But okay, sure. So let's kick off. Let us get Oh, oh, we have a Sean oh, entering the room. Have a Sean appearing. We have a Sean appearing. We have Hello. a Sean appearing. I believe Sean is actually at work. I believe Sean is trying to piggyback off some Wi-Fi. Okay, I'll tell you what, Sharon. We'll keep talking, and then if Sean if Sean um, catches up with us, he catches up with us. All right, cool. So we're going to kick off in cinema. Uh, we're going to kick off with Strange World. Strange World in cinema, which I saw. And Strange World is a new... And Sean has seen that one as well. Yes, yes. I, yeah, you, you, I, think, I believe Sean saw that, saw that as well. So Strange World. It is a new Disney movie. This is a new Disney movie. It is, Sharon, I know, I know, animated. So that is like your kryptonite. That is kind of like your why. What is even the point? This is not what, this is not what my eyeballs were made for. I understand that that, <laughs> I understand that, that is your approach. And I know that you have an antipathy towards anything animated. But Sharon, I know that you have like, you have one animation thing that you watch a year. And I think you would like this. I think you would okay. like this because... Because the thing is, every single, well, if you look at any of the stills from this, right, this looks like, think 1950s, I think the cover of a Jules Verne novel. I know the art yeah. that's on the cover of a Jules Verne novel. Almost every shot in this film looks like that. Okay. And it, and it is so stylized. Though. It, it's, a science, it's a science fiction film, but the, the style, I would almost say, is kind of like a modern, um, oof. It's the kind of thing that you know, that you know would ha would make people start using using words like retro futurist, because it's almost kind of like a modern tale on what people thought the future would look like in the nineteen fifties. So, so it kicks off. It, it kicks off, and the the um the the premise of it is that there's this place called Avalonia. Avalonia is this town somewhere, and they have this guy called um oh no, it's. Oh, something played, but his voice, voice by Dennis Quaid, and he's this massive explorer, and everything about him is about exploring and is about going forth and is about finding things. And he has this obsession with going and finding the future of his civilization on the other side of these mountains, other side of these mountains that sort of like hem the Avalonia in. And but he drags his son, Searcher Clade, voiced by Jake Gyllenhaal, around, and he drags him around everywhere. He drags him up these mountains and everything. And his son is really not an explorer, and his son is really much like, "Dad, I don't want to be doing these things." But he's like, "But he, but he doesn't care. He won't hear. He won't hear any of it." I think personally for me, I think like I think this film is beautiful. I think that the the art is brilliant. I think that the conception of this world is amazing. This strange world, which we'll get to, but the whole idea is that. This guy, he uh, he drags his son around on all these explorers, and his son is not really an explorer. His son does not want to be an explorer. And one, when they're one of these um, expeditions going up like a snowy mountain, and they they look like they're dressed like Scott of Antarctic and everything, like just sort of like trying to get through, get up this mountain. His son finds this this plant, and this plant sort of like crackling with energy. And he goes, and his son goes, I think this is something that we found here. And his son decides. I don't want to go with you to the other side of the mountain. I want to take this plant and I want to study it because I think that this could be the future of our civilization. The rest of his explorer group sides with his son 
And then he just walks off onto the mountain going, well, I don't need you. I'm just going to go off and do my own thing. And then he disappears and nobody ever sees him again. But his son goes back home and you go, you jump 25 years into the future. His son is now a farmer of this plant that he found called Pando, which looks like broccoli, but essentially it powers the entire civilization. It is the electricity, essentially. It powers the ships, it powers their cars, it powers their houses, it powers everything Pando. And because of this, they've thought of this guy, they go search a clade, his son is like, he is... He is, you know, the father of our civilization because without you finding this thing, we would never have gotten anywhere. But then what happens is that this plant starts to die. And so the all of the energy comes realizing this plant and then it starts it starts dying. And when it starts dying, they're like, we need to figure this thing out. And then the president who used to be part of his father's explorer group says, we need to go and explore and find the find the heart of this thing, figure out why it's dying and revive it because if not, it's just going to fall apart. So he goes off, he goes off and... Through one main or another, his entire family ends up joining him. So him, his wife, and his son. And they, they then it becomes this whole thing about father, son, father, son, going into this strange, like, there is very much a 2,000 leagues under the sea, journey to the center of the earth, heart, running through this entire film, where they go into this strange world, and there's all, all these different things. I think the realization of the world is brilliant. I think it is beautiful. I think it is great. And I, I really, really enjoyed this. I really, really enjoyed this. There were some bits of it that, um, there were bits of it that I started figuring out as it was going along. But I think I just thought, oh, I'm not even gonna, I'm gonna bother thinking too hard. There's a reveal towards the end that is very. <sighs> There's a reveal towards the end that, if you are a fan of sci-fi and fantasy, will be familiar. <laughs> is, I, I think I'll, I'll put it that way if you're a fan of sci-fi and fantasy it will be familiar especially British sci-fi and fantasy it will be familiar but um, but all in all I thought it was I thought it was uh, I really really enjoyed it Sean you fire away you tell me what you didn't think about this film <laughs> okay. for me um, I found it for, for me personally I mean yeah the animation was lovely and all that I found it a little bit patronising I think I, th um, I think it, it was for, for me it felt Okay, okay. I can understand this is probably more for youngsters. I mean, um, it, it certainly so yeah, isn't subtle. Pardon? Yeah, it isn't subtle. It isn't subtle. No, no, no. So, but I'm not saying it's a bad film. I'm not saying. I just found it a little bit too. I don't know, a little bit too long. I was getting a little bit. But I did go and see it with my mate and his little lad, and his little lad loved it. He was like, wouldn't couldn't take his eyes off it. So yeah. So I mean, it obviously works. Yeah. So. Yeah, because I think that the film is there, there's this there's this recent thing with Disney about you have a power, you have a power, and this is the way like you know you think the world goes and everything like that, and then the power starts going away. It happens in Encanto, it happened in Moana, and I think Disney are going into this whole thing where, and this this film is a very very unsubtle ecological fable. <laughs> it's a very very unsubtle. Okay, our power is running out. Oh, the thing that we're the thing that we're relying on might not be the best. We need to find another way of doing it. And the, the there's the old way of doing it signified by the dad who walked off into the thing. There's the possibly what what you thought was the new way of doing it, which is to search by search a claim. And then there's the future, which is the kid. And it's it's yeah. it's, it's it's extremely unsubtle. And <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And and I I actually I, I, to be honest with you, I kind of like that. I kind of like because. You know, sometimes there's some films you watch and you're kind of like, okay, what was the point? Were they trying to say that? Was there an allegory? Were they? I like the fact that this was just going, okay, no, this is this is not supposed to be hard to get. It's not supposed to be hard to get. Yeah, yeah, and you, yeah, yeah. you, you, especially with everything we're talking about, the energy crisis now, 
and people trying to figure out how they're going to pay for stuff. This film has come at a time where you're like, it's really not subtle what the film is trying to say. Environmentally and ecologically, it's not subtle. <laughs> not subtle. And, <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of the, uh, should we say, some of the, the, they had plenty of other ethnic characters that just popped up for like, you know, seconds, which are in the, which I thought were quite, oh. you know, they, they, they had they had the whole like, you know, so it was very, uh, what, what's the word? You know, it was very cosmopolitan. With, it like, was very diverse. I think, yeah, I think, I, yeah, I, I think the cast, I mean, even the voice cast, the voice cast is quite diverse. The fact is that Sir Jaclade and his wife, uh, I can't remember her name, um, but they, they are a dual heritage couple. He's black, uh, mm -hmm. no, she's black, he's white. She's voiced by Gabriel Union. So their son is mixed race and all that. And they, so and I quite like that. I quite like the fact that they, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I, I quite like the fact that they, they, that even in smaller roles, this, this Avalonia is a place where all sorts of races are, are represented. I really yeah. like that. And, now, and that yeah. the, a big thing that Sean was referring to is that people have referred to this as one of Disney's first films, if not their first film, where they have a gay lead character and they don't shy away yeah. from it. They don't shy away yeah. from the fact that um, the, 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 the son, Nathan, is gay. That that's like one of the first things you learn about him is that is that he's gay, and and I know that there's been a lot of chat about this, and there's a Sean you're talking about. You think it's not going to be shown in some countries? I'm pretty sure that it's it has been it's not being shown in China because Buzz Lightyear. I mean, the Lightyear film had one scene where a woman hugs another woman and kisses her, like like a, almost like a chaste church kiss. And they go. That's it. We're not showing this film. This film is the, like the 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 the, uh, the the sort of first love thing plays a much bigger part of this film uh, going I, going through. I mean, why I was thinking that is because they actually in um, out of the youngsters because there's like three other youngsters in there apart from the son, and one of those is a girl. Yeah. And I was thinking, I wondered if they put that in there, and then like if they wanted to put different subtitles on, they could pretend that that was. I mean, I know it's more obvious with the thing, but I I know that's. That's being too clever, isn't it? Yeah, you could do that, but no, they wouldn't do that. They, they would no. that, that. Oh my God, Lord, the PR storm, the PR storm that will come down <laughs> on the head. I, I mean, you, they, see, you see my logic, what I was thinking. I wonder yeah, why that. I can see your logic, and I think in a pre-internet day, that's the kind of thing that can imagine would happen, where you get a yeah. different cut of the film in Russia or in China or somewhere like that. But in in these days, where from a phone you can figure out what's happening on the other side of the world, they they're not going to do that. So it's and 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 I I quite like the treatment because there's when when you have an issue when you have an issue that you want to talk about in film or something like that, be it like ec ecology or environmental stuff or anything like that. There's ways in of doing it in which it feels like you're smacking the audience over the head with it, and you're going, "This is important. This is all. Oh, look how worthy we are." And there's ways, and when that when that's done that way, it puts me off. And I and I say that as somebody who you, I mean, Sean, Sharon, you guys have heard me bang on about colonialism and talk about yeah, yeah. <laughs> films and everything. Yeah. Like, and I have an axe to grind when it comes to colonialism in films. I have an axe to grind when it comes to the representation of Africa in films. And even and even with that, I still think the way of going about it when you're trying to when you have an axe to grind when you have a point to make is not to beat people over the head with it it's not to act like oh look how worthy this thing is it's just to present it and it's there move on and i really yeah. like the way this film did that because it really presented it as it's there move on nobody cares on, yeah. 
yeah, deal with it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And it's and so so all in all, I I really enjoyed the film. I love the characterization. I love the characters, and uh, and I just think it's it's one of the most beautiful looking films I've seen in ages. There's just a lot of shots that I would take a snapshot of that and put that on the cover of a book because honestly, the the world that they realize is amazing, and um, I would give it a four. Yeah, I, I would probably. I mean, I didn't dislike it. But I did find it, like I said, a little bit patronising. So I will give this one a three. Yes, this, this one's a three. Yeah. And and I I entirely I would entirely I entirely see that respect yeah. that. Thank and, you. And agree with that, but I'll give it a four. <laughs> <laughs> because 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 I think I was I was a bit more with it. So now let's go over to TV stuff and let's go over to Sharon. You saw Troll. Troll. Yes, a Norwegian film that was on Netflix. Uh, that, uh, yes, it's a, I think it's number one in the Netflix, Netflix film charts at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, it's been, this one has been, they've been pushing it quite a lot, but yes, it's a mixed English and Norwegian language film, but primarily it's Norwegian. And the main character, you start, you see her first when she's a child and like the last film, you like Strange Worlds, um, that was a father and a son. This is a daughter and her father who at the beginning of the film, she's quite, she's a young girl and she goes adventuring with her dad. He's a folklorist who has a passion for Norwegian folk tales. And one of these, their adventures, they go adventuring, um, was, was climbing the mountains that were called the 12 trolls. And these mountains were formed when 12 trolls got, were at a party. They stayed out too long and they got frozen by the sun. They got turned into the mountains. And if you believe, you can see, and um, you see this moment where the mountains are transformed into these sort of frozen figures of these trolls. So, sorry, just, and just, so, at, I just at the moment, Sharon, I'm just, I'm just, you know what you were saying about like the, like the last film we were just talking about. Yeah. Every now and then, you get the feeling you're like, hang on, with the people who made these two films on the other side of the restaurant and overhear each other conversations because <laughs> the beginning of this film it sounded suspect. It sounded, it's, it sounded quite familiar, shall I say? Yeah, I think they seem to have the same sort of inspiration. And so yes. you then jump forward 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> and you see uh, the daughter has been is estranged from her father because he has she thinks he's basically had a complete breakdown and has become lost in his folk laws, that he believes some of the folk tales to be true. And she has discovered a passion for paleontology. So she has become basically exploring the wild places for lost fossil remains and so that has begun her passion um but meanwhile in another part of norway while where she is doing her her excavations she notices that um there's a protest where a new road is being built through a, a mountain and as they are tunneling for this new road uh, amongst all the protesters and people are shouting and there's Greta and her, not Greta as such, but girls who look very much like Greta protesting yeah, yeah, about yeah. them building this new road. Um, whilst they dynamite a new section of the mountain, um, they wake something up. And the thing that is woken up is a troll that has been sleeping for millennia. And it decides to come out and basically go on a rampage. And so the Norwegian government 
call in all the experts of different fields to see if they can identify what it is that's been woken up is it something that's prehistoric something ancient is it natural or is it you know what is it what is they what have they found and as the story develops you understand that yes this is a troll of a troll from folklore and they need to work out which part of folklore is actually based on history and which parts of the folklore are based on um, stories that grow up around these tales yeah uh, so we see this massive this confrontation between modern man and ancient mountain troll cool cool okay so i just had a quick look and uh, troll hunter is norwegian as well it's norwegian so, as well yeah it's norwegian, yeah, it's norwegian as well so it was that it was that short i just said troll hunter troll i know that that, that is an <laughs> awesome that? scene that's an, just the pronunciation yeah. of troll in that scene. Troll yeah. is awesome. Okay. Oh, but so, yeah, so obviously troll and everything like that comes from like Norwegian thing. And you know me, I'm always like a big thing. When when you have a certain group of people who sort of reclaim their culture, like whenever they, when they, the film Ragnarok or whenever things were made, uh, no, it was a TV show Ragnarok that you watched, yeah, Sharon, wasn't it? Ragnarok. Yeah, your TV show Ragnarok, and that was kind of that was Norwegian as well. Just so sort of like you know, Norse yeah. re reclaiming Norse, uh, like we're going to tell our own Norse stories. I'm always a big fan of that. So I like the idea of this. I really like the idea of this. How was it? I really enjoyed it. Actually, it it, it was aware of its own silliness. So it's self-aware, in fact, that um, you know, it's like saying it's a troll, <laughs> and they were so they they didn't treat it, and they referenced things like they had. At one scene, they had all, when the troll goes on a public rampage, all the different news channels around the world um, are talking about it, and they sort of say mention like popular culture, like the Japanese, I'm uh, saying like it's big, it's like Godzilla, <laughs> and then there's some, and they've got all these different references to different, it's like King Kong, and it, it, you get all the different references in the, other cultures that put their own thing. It's like yeah, they, uh, so you see these little glimpses and. In the British television section, it's only a little tiny bit. You get one of these experts earnestly sort of talking about it, as you often see on our television programs. But whatever happens, they suddenly get an expert in who knows all about yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> they had nice nods. A couple of the sort of the Norwegian army characters. One of them is a big Star Trek fan, so every now and then they would suddenly say engage and make it so. <laughs> <laughs> so there were nods to sort of that geekdom. And the other nods as well to um that at one point they say you shall not pass oh yeah <laughs> it's oh yeah it's a cave troll uh so there were lots of nods so it was it was self-aware and uh, it was funny um there's sort of lots of sort of wry humor in it and uh, so i really liked it i thought it was really well done i just entirely enjoyed it and um i'd certainly give it a four all right so a four for troll, and I've decided that this yeah. is the kind of Scandi stuff I like, because I'd obviously like, I'd like the idea of that. I might have to check that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because obviously you, you always have like you know Scandi noir. That's the that's like the big thing Scandi. But I th I think Scandi fantasy might actually be more my speed. Where, where uh, because they they have a kind of there's there's almost a kind of like jokey sense about it, like an, an like an acceptance that this is silly. And, and and that I really 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 like and really respect. All right, cool. So um, so Sean, in in cinema this week, we're talking about Strange World and we're talking about She Said, two films that I know you have seen. Have you seen anything yeah. else that you want to yeah. bring forward? Violent Night. 
Oh, Violent. Okay, cool. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. So, Sean, you tell us about Violent Night. Tell us about Violent Night. Okay. So, Violent Night, absolutely silly, you know, like, like, um, anyway. So, Violent Night, basically a Santa Claus. Oh, there's a family, there's a nice family and a strange family with a daughter. And they, they go into their pair, uh, the, the husband's parents' place, who's like super, super rich and super, super, not very nice person. And, Although they're estranged, they agreed to go there. And so this character, and he's got a drunken sister. There's like, there's like a, 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 a Hollywood chap who, um, or, or like a star, like a budding star, who says, yeah, I'm great. I've been in all this. Who's, who's like his drunken sister's girlfriend. And they've got this rather nasty, bloggy type son who's like, yeah, hey, I'm so-and-so. So anyway, these, these mercenaries obviously come and, and invade. To sort of break into the house because they're a rich family and they're after mm-hmm. this this money. And that just so happens that Santa happens to land on the roof and goes down the chimney, and he's eating and, the ginger. Uh, and this is this is actual Santa. <laughs> this is this is the actual Santa, yeah, right. And and a bloke comes in with a machine gun and he he absolutely you know he sort of kills him. He's like, what's going on here? And the reindeers get all upset and they shoot off. So he's he's stuck alone. And then the the daughter manages to get away and hide, but she's got this little walkie-talkie, and it must be on the same bandwidth as the person he's killed. He goes, "Oh, Santa, if this is you, they've told her that it's Santa," you know. And he goes, "Okay." He's like, "Well," and it turns out that uh, this this Santa's like really, really old, and he used to be like a Viking berserker with a big hammer, you know. He, he hasn't got that to start with, but so yeah, so. <laughs> And then, That's not how I pictured Father Christmas, I have to say. Oh, yeah. as a <laughs> really, he's become a bit jaded. He's been doing it so long that, but you know, he, he's um. Because they're known for their philanthropy, aren't they? The Viking berserkers that they give presents <laughs> yeah. to everyone. And um, suffice to say that you know they they communicate on the on the radio a bit like Die Hard. You like Die Hard, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, it's Die Hard, and obviously earlier on in the film. She says, "Oh, I watched that Home Alone. I really like that Home Alone." Yeah, film, yeah, yeah. You know, so obviously, and she's hidden. So, and she she obviously finds things to to sort of you know traps and things. They go, the baddies are saying, "Oh, we're going to get you." Oh, I've seen Home, you know, like with the nails and things. They go, oh, "I've seen Home Alone," and <laughs> and, all that. So, yeah. and, and then and then uh, the woman said, "Oh, you're in trouble now because I've got a uh, got my my crack mercenary team that will kill you guys and." And then you see all the ones like you know, like the second Die Hard with the skidoos and all that. And yeah, the yeah, snow yeah, 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 yeah. Turn up and, the and it turns, yeah. Yeah, they're all in with this this robber who's, who calls himself Scrooge, and um, uh, and he's everyone else is named like silly, like silly names, you know. And if, so you've got yeah, it's basically Die Hard, Die Hard One, Die Hard Two, and Home Alone. So I've all rolled into one <laughs> with. I tell you, Tozin, I was in hysterics. I mean, I was—I couldn't believe it. It was—it was—it was really, it was really, really violent. By the way, and there's a lot of blood and there's a lot of, a lot of smashed heads and things. When he when he finally manages to Santa goes in the shed and happens to find a big, you know, one of those big sledgehammer things. He goes, oh yeah. So you can imagine what he does to crack crack mercenaries and all that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Really, really, really good fun movie. Absolutely stupid because. They probably, you know, like I say, my thing with, with trained, trained killers and stuff. Um, but, you know, nevertheless, 
It was a silly, really, really enjoyable film. And I laughed out loud. I was said to Sharon, I'll go and see it again with her because, I mean, I, I was never really, I didn't see Home Alone until quite late. And Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So, well, no, I've no, got no, a confession no, to make. I've never seen Home Alone. You've never seen Home Alone? Yes. What I like, oh, do you watch it before we go, Sharon? But what I like about it, they go, the, the baddies say, oh, don't be stupid, little girl. I've seen Home Alone. You know, like, ah! You know what I mean? And all sorts of things. Yeah. Still, things still happen, you know, like with the hair and all that sort with, of with stuff. The, with, the, with the head on fire. Okay, now the thing with Home Alone is I reckon that there's a window that you have to watch Home Alone in, and you have to watch Home Alone as a kid. Because yeah. if you watch Home Alone when you're older, all you can see are the all are the problematic bits of the story. Like, hang on a second, what kind of terrible family forgets their kid at home? Hang on, that kid's a bit of a psychopath. Those people would be dead by now. It's like those robbers would be dead five minutes after entering the house because that kid is like quite. So I think this is I think has a problem with Home Alone. Like, if you watch it as a kid, then you have like you have um uh you have sort of nostalgic feelings about the film and all that because then that carries you through but if you see it as an adult you just see sociopathic kid terrible parents and quite frankly Macaulay Culkin cannot act that, that, that's all you see as a, that's all you see as a, a anyway and, and, I think that's how I missed it I was just too old when it came out I was also I wasn't in that that band yeah, yeah, yeah say, so, um, so anyway back to Violet Night yeah, 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 back to Violent Night. But yeah, so anyway, so he is the real Santa and she says on the, you know, like in the dialogue things where he's talking. Anyway, she says, oh, you know, what I really want for Christmas is, um, you know, I'd like my parents to get back together. And, and certain situations, what happens, and, and it actually happens at the end. And, um, you, you know, there's, but yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's it's just really, really, really good fun. And obviously Santa's injured and they, uh, they, they, save santa in a certain way and oh yeah that's right i've got to say this he's got a sack right santa's got the sack oh yes and he pulls goes in and he can pull out presents and stuff and they go he goes oh what's this and he's opening up things to see what and you know game video game video game but oh what's this what's this like a magic like a magic tardis sack yeah, like a magic tardis sack. Yeah, so but no, really, really super good fun. Super yeah. good fun. Yeah, yeah, because th- this is a film that when I heard the when I heard the um, but when I heard the the premise of it, which is pretty much as you said, Die Hard, but this time John McClane as Santa, and and <laughs> and Santa's Santa's played by David Harbour, who you might know from Stranger Things, or he played uh he was the Red Guardian in Black Widow. I, I, Sharon, I think you would know the face. You would I know, know the, the, I know who, yes, I know the one you mean. Yeah, David Harbour. So big, massive Hulk, but he played Hellboy, most recent Hellboy. And I, I just felt like, I felt like, you know, a bit, a bit jaded, grizzled, maybe slightly alcoholic Santa. I was like, this is, this looks like it's going to be fun. It looks like, and the only thing that could mess it up is the execution. It, it, it the only thing that could mess up is the execution, but this looks like it's going to be fun. All right, cool. So, um, so how many stars, how many stars did you give it, Sean? It's got good lists and naughty lists. So, so obviously he's got the name of all the, all, anyway, yeah. So yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, it's good. Yeah, four star for me this one. Oh, four I stars for Violet Night. Uh, cool. but yeah, I'm I'm happy to hear that they didn't mess it up. All right, cool. So we will go back to TV stuff. Sean, have you got anything on TV that you want to talk about? I saw Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, this Christmas oh, special. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, well, I saw that as well. I've uh, I've seen it as well. 
Oh, yeah. Cool. Okay, we yeah. will. Uh, seeing as it's almost Christmas, let's end up with. We're going to end with Guardians of the Galaxy's holiday yeah. special. Yes, we're going to end up with that. All right, cool. But now we're going to go back to TV. And we're going to go back to BBC iPlayer and the TV show called Mum. And a show that I could. Uh, that, as I said, Sharon, I couldn't believe that you haven't watched because it sounds like your kind of thing. I mean, I've never seen, even though you've mentioned it before, you've talk, spoken about the Detectorist. I've never seen the I Detectorist. Love the detectorist. Yeah, and love it. From, from what you said about the Detectorist, I feel like Mum might be in that same kind of thing, but only uh. it, it could be in, because it's not. Uh, it's a comedy, but it's not like laugh out loud. It's more observational, and it's all about the performances between this ensemble and how it goes around. So essentially, Mum kicks off in the first episode. And by the way, I I have to say this. I love this about British TV. I have watched three seasons of this show. I've finished it, and the the, the show the show's ended. I've watched three seasons of this show. 18 episodes 18 episodes three seasons boom you're done i love that as opposed to like american shows where you're like you know just slogging trying to get through this whole thing and so the first episode of it kicks off and you're in this lady's house kathy kathy played by leslie manville and uh, you just you start seeing as things go around her you realize that it is that that the, everyone's prepping for a funeral and as it transpires it's a funeral for her husband and you you get to meet her son her son's new girlfriend comes into the house her brother comes in with his new girlfriend her, her, her husband's parents come in and they just sort of like and it's, they sort of circle around her and ev pretty much every episode of this show happens in one location so the first two seasons it all happens in a house everything happens in a house and I started watching this and it depends on how much you can handle cringe because there, there's, just, there's just this feeling of this woman who's just trying to get through life but she's surrounded by all these idiots who keep bringing who keep bringing her down and it's all about the interactions that she has with her brother and her son who's a bit dim and then his daughter i mean his his girlfriend as well shows up and i'll give you an example she shows up in the first episode and she shows up and she says oh yeah unfortunately my mom washed my black dress and it shrunk so when it shrunk it was showing my bum off so i decided i couldn't come to the funeral with showing my bum off so i came in with a, in another dress and she she shows the only other nice dress that she had that didn't make her look slutty and it's bright red and that's that she's gonna wear this bright red dress to to her boyfriend's well, boyfriend's dad's funeral, and it it carries on through this whole thing. And the one the one piece of solace because it's almost as if I was watch like I was watching it. I showed it to my wife because I was like, I think you might like this, but I'm not sure you could handle it. And she couldn't handle it. She had to stop watching it because she was like, it's just too much. This woman's just under siege. This woman's just and she has all these idiots coming in and doing this and so and not realizing that they're being insulted and not really and. The, the, but the, the performances are on point and the one bit of service that she has in her life is a, a guy called Michael who is played by Peter Mullen and Peter yeah, Mullen uh, yeah yeah Peter Mullen excellent and this is you know Peter Mullen I think he has different modes he has kind of like cuddly mode and then he has absolute psychopath mode where he's like the scariest person in the world this is him in cute cuddly mode and so so Michael was the best man at her wedding was a good friend of her husband but as it goes on you find out that michael has a thing for her and she also has a thing for michael and then what plays out over three seasons is the most hesitant most british most well-mannered will they won't they that you have ever seen <laughs> and it is like you know okay we might talk about the will they won't they thing people usually talk about like uh ross and rachel and friends i would take michael and kathy and mum 
over Russell and Rachel any day. Just the way it's done, it is uh, it's believable. It's later in life, and like and the reasons why they might not want to get together are obvious. The way it affects other characters as it goes along, the fact that it is a comedy, even though there's some absolutely horrific characters in there. But every now and then, this show will just hit you with a gut punch of something emotional that you were not expecting. You're thinking that this is this was just like you know, you're thinking it was just about people being horrible, like Kathy trying to handle all these horrible people in her lives. But then there'll be something that'll come up and just explain why that person does that, why that person is like this. And it's a bit like you know, um, remember ghosts? When you talk about ghosts, Sharon, and you talk yeah. about how every now and then they'll just have this emotional bit that gets you out of nowhere, where you're like, whoa whoa that was actually quite affecting and mum does a very similar thing in a where there'll be something that happens like there for instance okay so obviously peter mullen is scottish and there's this recurring theme where another character keeps trying to imitate his accent and you're like and it, it's quite frankly it's insulting it's insulting you're kind of like you're like what is the and then there's a there's a bit where in one of the they explain why that happens and when they explain why that happens you're like oh Oh dang! Oh, oh, that's and there's one. There's a character who has airs and graces, Pauline, who is always kind of like you know she walks. She's the kind of person who walks into the house and goes, "Oh, sorry," and like they give her a glass of like sparkling wine. She's like, "Oh, what is this? Is this is this Carver?" And they're like, "Yeah, it's Carver." It's like, mm, "Yes, I thought so." You don't have any champagne, do you? That kind, of, that kind of thing. Just sort of like horrible, horrible, horrible characters, and but I think that the show weaves a web. It's, it's a bit slower, it's not like big, it's not laugh out loud, it's not laugh a minute or anything like that, but you you sort of find out, by the time I got to the end of the first season, I was like, I, mean, I, think, this is, I think this is a really, really good show. By the time of the second season, I was like, I think this is brilliant. By the time I hit the third season, I was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, I, I'm with this, and I do not understand, because this show ended in 2019. I was like, I don't understand how there were three seasons of this show, it started in 2017, 2018, 2019, and I had never heard of it until I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about a new show that the guy had done and they mentioned this. And I, so I went, oh yeah, Leslie Manville, she's cool. I'll just go watch this. And I'm like, this is a brilliant, brilliant show. So Sharon, I think you would love it. I think it is right up your street and I would recommend that you go watch it. I have to look that out on the iPlayer. Yep. Oh, and oh, number of stars, I'll give it four. I'll give, <laughs> I'll give it four stars. It's, um, um I'd... And then you can come back and tell me exactly how wrong I was and how much you hated it. But, <laughs> but so now we go back to cinema and Sharon, you saw She Said. Oh no, you both saw She Said. We both saw it together, yes. Okay, okay so but uh, Sharon, take us away. Tell us about She Said. She Said is a dramatized account of how the rise and fall of Harvey Weinstein, basically and how through a persistent investigation by two New York Times investigative journalists, it basically uncovered not just um, a number of incidents of inappropriate behavior by this Hollywood producer, but it basically discovered through this investigation an almost a conspiracy of silence or complicity in that these these allegations were basically were known about to a quite an extensive degree (laughs) and the system was basically was worked in such a degree that because he was making money for the studios that they had an invested interest in protecting him to a certain degree and by that was by basically paying women off to keep quiet and so these two investigative journalists they started off um they're both young women with families 
Um, at the beginning of the, one of the film, one of them played by Carrie Mulligan is just having her first baby. And the other, I forget her name. Zoe Kazan. Zoe Kazan, that's it. She is a mother of two small daughters. Mm. And so they have got busy lives. They're in relationships there. Um, but they are like sharp, intelligent women who can do investigative journalism. And so it starts off, they're investigating um, just basically any form of like sexual harassment because they're investigating the allegations against Donald Trump before he was a president, uh, how some women had come forward saying that this is how he treated me and how it made no difference to how he became president, the fact that he had a history of inappropriate mm. behavior. Yeah. And so they were investigating other powerful men and they started to hear this name coming up all the time, Harvey Weinstein. So they started to investigate um, what was going on. And so the film basically charts this sort of painstaking investigation in tracking down women who had made allegations but had been, their silence had been bought and paid for. And how they, but they were trying to write a story, but no one wanted to have their name on record. Everyone was saying, okay, I'm going to tell you what happened to me. But one, I'm bound by this agreement that I signed. So I have got this legal obligation that I cannot discuss this. So you can't use my name, but I can tell you in the broadest terms what happened. And then people who said, yes, I'm, no, I'm not bound by any document, but I don't want to have my name in public. I've got a life. I've got family. I've got, I know what will happen. What the consequences of doing this are. So it investigates basically the, the, the painstaking efforts they took to get all, to compile all these accounts. And the more they investigated, the more a pattern emerged that wasn't just sort of current or old Hollywood, like in the 90s, about Rose McGowan and Ashley Judd. Yeah. It was about this is happening right up till today. This is 20 years of abuse or this inappropriate behavior that was physical abuse. It was taking advantage of young women. It was sort of coercive. It was violent. There, there were a number of people who had made allegations of rape. Uh, uh, and other sort of just behavior that was uh, completely unacceptable in a professional sort of relationship. Yeah. And so it was painstaking investigation, but so it was very worthy, I think is a word that comes to mind. But the only thing about when you have worthy and painstaking investigations is they don't always make great drama, <laughs> especially when we know what happens at the end. So I felt that, yeah, they did investigate these women's stories well. They each had their own voice. They were played by these actors of credibility um who was who you know were like you have like um i've got her name samantha morton oh yeah you had jennifer ely you had um Look. ashley judd playing herself yeah you have a, this, this sort of this cat of this this host of these powerful women actresses who are known for their like intelligence and their sort of stance on these things yeah um but it doesn't always make a gripping film and it mm. was, it made, I, it was fascinating, um, but I'm not sure if it crossed the line into good drama. You can't help but compare it to things like Spotlight, yeah. where <laughs> that they made a good drama about a very serious matter, and they made it where they were, they were true to the source, but they also managed to maintain that sort of degree of tension. Because we know that um, Harvey Weinstein is in prison, yeah, and that he was convicted of a number of serious assaults, and we know about the Me Too movement, um, that all these women did stand up and say, but it was this sort of painstaking take before they could get that one woman to say, you can name me, you can name me as a source to add credibility. 
and then waiting for other names to say, well, actually, yes, you can name me and I will be a witness to this. Mm. So it was a good, it was gripping, it was interesting, it was fascinating, but I don't think it made good drama in the, the way that other films have done that cover sort of this same sort of thing. I think in some ways they were almost too reverential to the subject matter. Mm. They wanted to include everything, to give everyone their voice, which is very worthy, but it doesn't always make for the best film. So mm. I thought, I applaud them for wanting to say this, a Hollywood film made about Hollywood that isn't glamorizing it, which yeah. isn't it, which is saying for every singing in the rain, you do have, as she said, because, you know, these studio systems are designed to protect themselves. Yeah. And as long as Hollywood has existed, young women have been exploited. Mm. And if that means that producer invites you after hours to his hotel room and says, can you give me a massage? All the staff members do it. And then all the girls tell each other, if he asks you to go into his hotel room, sit in the armchair because it's harder for him to get alongside you. Because if you sit on the settee or if you sit on the sofa, he can sit next to you. So if all the women who work there know that, then that means basically everyone in, the, in that studio system knew that. Yeah. So, um, it's, But it's things that women tell each other because I was thinking about my own experiences at work. And there was things that you tell others, I used to tell people when they first started work, when you climb up the stairs, try not to make sure there's no one climbing up the stairs behind you because you may get a comment, you may get a hand on your bum or you may get someone looking up your skirt. So you yeah. learn when you're, when you're a young girl working in a... Because I was 17 when I first started working in the police station, I learned very quickly that you looked around before you climbed the stairs to make sure there was no one behind you or walking up behind you. You learned those things. And you told other girls when they started working, you know, if he's walking around the podder, just hesitate at the bottom of the stairs, pretend that you've forgotten something, turn back and then come up the stairs so that no one is behind you. You yeah. learn these things. And these these young exec producers and runners in the studios were told these sort of things because it was their experience. And so if they knew it, everyone knew it. But Sharon, Sharon I'm, I'm happy that you can laugh about it, but that is horrific. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy you can laugh about it now, but yeah, that 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 the uh, sheesh, that 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 is horrific. Um, and I have no other way of moving on but to say, Sean, what did you think? <laughs> well, it was no, it was no all the president's men, should we say? Yeah, you know, that, that that's exactly what I was thinking because I remember I remember watching all the president's men after years of people raving about it and just go and then watching and go, okay. This is just the painstaking way of how they worked it and the fact that it ends with them publishing the story and I'm like, oh, that was it? Okay, cool, okay. I found, I found, yeah, I mean, the subject matter was interesting. They spent a lot of time driving um, to different places and flying to different places and um, so some nice scenery. I thought it was a little bit long. It dragged out a little bit too much. I think this would have been one of those films that if I'd have watched it on streaming or at home, I probably wouldn't have been... I mean, films like this, I guess, are quite good to see at the cinema because you've actually you've only got that to focus. But I can imagine with this film, I prob I'm not saying it's a bad film, but I think I probably would have thought, oh, I just nip to the toilet, or oh, I'll just go make myself a cup of coffee and then come back to it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Do, yeah. do you know what I'm saying? You know, which would be easy to do if you're watching it on TV. Oh, I'll just go make myself a cup of tea, come back, and you could you could sort of dip dip in and out if you like, because you knew like exactly like Sharon said, you knew where it was going to go mm. and it was just you know the pain takes pains taking slog i mean it was quite well acted i thought um yeah, well done i think yeah. they were almost almost too passionate about the subject matter yeah. that they didn't have that 
that maybe that editorial eye where they're thinking, you know what, we need to make this scene sharper. Because yeah. you see a lot about the legal wranglings, how the lawyers come in and they try to play it off and they try to downplay it. And it's like, yeah, there are ways of doing that without basically almost it... hearing the conversation live time. It's like you needed to have someone who was maybe not as passionately involved to say, you know what, you need to make this scene a bit tighter. You need to yeah. go and be cut out, maybe all of the, the flights to and fro, all the driving to and fro, cut those down a bit. And when you have these interviews with the women, maybe, you know, they did a few flashback scenes and it's like, again, I, we understand why you're doing this. You're, still, you're showing us that these women who were affected by these things when they were 21, they're still bearing the scars of this when they're in their 40s or in their 50s, that something that happens to you at the beginning of your sort of independence, something traumatic happens then, that will affect the rest of your life potentially. Because yeah. you, you, as one character said, um, it made her doubt herself because she she found herself in this situation that she had no means of dealing with. She did not know how to cope with that situation. So as sort of many women do, it's like just get through it and then you can leave without fighting or without making too much of a fuss. It's like just get through it, just do whatever they want or do whatever they say and then just get on with it. But because they did that to survive, they don't know what this how this situation is going to develop. Yeah. They were then made to feel did I do something wrong? Why would it happen to me? What was, did I do something that made him think he could do that to me? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, that, so that shed, that did affect their lives. So you can see how they were passionate about telling these women's stories, but they needed to be a little bit tighter and a bit sharper with it. Yeah. Okay. So two things I, w I would think this is the kind of film where just because of the story that it's telling, I, I, I'm probably, on the side of let them do whatever they want. I might watch it once and never again, but let them do whatever they want and let this needs to be told. But I also, I really, really want to have almost like a triple bill of all the president's men, spotlight and this and see. And the Times, and the, I, I really liked, is it the Times, the one with the Meryl Post. Street? The Post. The Post, oh yeah, the Post, yeah. yeah. I really, I quite like that actually. Yeah, and I just, I just want to, just want to, and to see, okay, what works and what doesn't. Is it the subject matter? Is it the interest in the subject? I, I, I think I think it's fascinating as to why a painstaking slog through the investigative process works in one instance and doesn't work in the other. I want to know why it doesn't. But anyway, how many stars would you give it? For me, I would give it a three star. I would say, yeah, for subject matter, I would give it a four. It's a worthy film, but in terms of actual delivery, it was too long, and it, it I would give it a three. So I would want I wanted to give it a four, but it actually delivered a three. Oh. All right, cool. So that's three stars for She Said. And let us go. And now it is that season. Sharon, Sean, Merry Christmas. We can say that now. We're in December. We can say it now. I mean, the weather is even like, you know, <laughs> the weather. I'm not sure what it's like on the island. But I mean, over here, the weather is sort of like obliging. You've, we've had to scrape stuff off the cars for the last couple of yeah. days. Everything's been white. So, we had a white uh, frost this morning. Yes. The first island-wide white frost. In fact, I was told we've had two localised white frosts on the island this year, but this was the first widespread, everything was a blanket of white when we woke up this morning. Oh, cool. And so the weather's getting to it. So I guess it's about time we actually spoke about Christmas and talked about something Christmasy. Christmassy. And I'm quite happy that this is what we're talking about. The Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, which we have all seen. We've all partaken of this this particular cup of Christmas chair and we've all seen the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. So who wants to start talking about what this is about? 
you could probably, you're probably the best. You go, Chase. You go, Chase. Okay. All right. Okay, cool. I'll go with this. So the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. And I think for anybody who might be into their geekdom, when you hear sci-fi, um, sci-fi property holiday special your mind immediately goes back to the 70s and goes back to the star wars holiday special which is in which is infamous for being naff so naff that george lucas tried to buy up every copy and bury that this thing ever existed and i think the the fact that they've gone and called this the guardians of the galaxy holiday special they know exactly what they're doing they know that they they are poking that bear of that memory of or this is what it is so this is the Guardians of the Galaxy, Marvel's ragtag group of superheroes who introduced space space warfare and space travel into the MCU. And um, what they have is that this is this takes place after like Endgame and all that sort of stuff. The Guardians are settling down. Peter Quill is quite sad because in quite <laughs> in quite short space of time he's found out he found his dad, then lost his dad, then lost the love of his life, and he's just sort of like down in the dumps. Even though he's kind of like it's like he's in charge of this place nowhere, which is where the Benicio del Toro character, the collector, used to be. And so the guys of the galaxy are there. They're all hanging out. They're doing their things. Groot has grown a little bit more into a into yeah. You know, last time we saw him was like teenage Groot. Now he looks a bit more like bodybuilder Groot. Yeah. <laughs> and it was more like bodybuilder groups so like rocket is there you meet cosmo the dog but the the stars of this are drax and mantis drax and mantis who are probably the stars the, when it comes to the guardians they're the ones who are always getting the wrong end of the stick they don't understand sarcasm they don't understand tone they don't understand they, they don't get anything and and so they go oh peter quill is actually quite sad and because there's this whole thing that runs through guardians of the galaxy of the fact that peter quill was abducted from earth in the 80s when he was a kid so all he knows all the music he listens to is 80s music all of his references are 80s references and he has spent ages telling them about how kevin bacon is the greatest hero ever because he just keeps telling them talk to them about kevin bacon movies but being drax and mantis and, and because like sarcasm i mean the, the the first guardians of the galaxy movie has the all-time epic line where <laughs> where um where they go oh don't worry they talk, they say about drax they go don't don't worry they use this sarcasm on him it goes over his head and he goes nothing goes over my head my reflexes are too quick i would catch it <laughs> and, and that is that that is drax in a nutshell so drax doesn't yeah. get it so drax and mantis don't realize that kevin bacon's an actor they think kevin bacon is actually this real life hero and so they think you know what this christmas thing that the peter cook keeps talking about let's do this thing and let's go get him a christmas presents let's get him kevin bacon so drax and mantis go to earth to get kevin bacon for um for peter quill as a as a christmas present and that's about the only plot that there is this thing. that's the only plot that there is in 45 minutes is drax and mantis go to earth to get kevin bacon for peter quill and things happen and and uh, okay what do you guys think before i start before i before i carry on what did you guys think well i i i, I quite enjoyed this i, I must say I'm, i did quite enjoy this i thought it was quite good fun um and and i, I really liked the band in it as well when they the, the oh yeah, yeah the, 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 the because 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 of they're, they're singing in the star wars holiday special so they have a couple of songs they have a couple of songs in this as well yeah yeah, yeah. So no, I found it really, really good fun. I, I, I and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. So yeah, so uh, I found Sharon? it good. Yeah, no, I found it uh, sort of silly and funny. And um, I, I, it's one of those things like when they talk about Christmas specials, they talk about Christmas, and they only ever talk about the secular Christmas. They never talk about any uh, sort of you know historical or religious or spiritual reasons for Christmas. It's literally Christmas is about 
give you presents to people, make you yes. all happy. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and so I find that a bit funny, really, because I'm thinking you've completely missed the whole point of Christmas, why it started in the first place. Um, and you've gone straight to the the sort of modern, what we would call all the things that ruin Christmas. So yeah, maybe it, I found it funny in an ironic way, but also funny because it is just so silly. And the fact yeah. that Kevin Bacon plays like a heightened version of himself, almost like yeah. the, the like we see in the adverts for EE, we're yes. familiar with Kevin Bacon as a heightened version of himself. Yeah. And he lives in like this classic Hollywood home that you get the feeling there's probably nothing like his real house. <laughs> it's sort of like, <laughs> glass and smooth sort of shiny floors with Christmas, you know, Christmas turned well, up to a leather in him, every room. He's not taking himself too seriously, I think. No, because I think it was funny. And... <laughs> I, I, I think, I think we, we've, known, funny. we've known in the UK for the last 10 for the last decade that Kevin Bacon does not take himself seriously. Yeah. <laughs> We've known that for like the last 10 years. So yeah, I thought it was silly, funny. Yeah, it did what it's supposed to do, wasn't it? It was like a 45 minutes of of um, cheer with a little bit of heart running through it. Yeah, yeah, I, I'll agree with you because I think that's one of the things that James Gunn does quite well because James Gunn is, I think his, his sense of humor is not it's not an insult to call it puerile. His sense of humor is a little, is more puerile, but he does every always come up with this own little bit of heart thing that comes up. And I just thought it was, I, I personally, I just loved watching Drax and Mantis. Like there's a bit where they go to LA and they're trying to find Kevin Bacon's house and they end up in a bar. And the bit where they're walking along Hollywood Boulevard and the people think that they're actually people in cosplay. <laughs> and yeah, I, I, I just, uh, I really like that. And I think, I think Mantis. Mantis is one of the greatest additions to any MCU property. In I, I think she's. I think Pom Kalamantiev, who plays her, is brilliant. I think that she, I think the way she does it, just the innocence of that character is brilliant. But I, I, I love this as well. I thought it was a nice little Christmas thing that didn't end up being too cheesy. Um, and I, I would give it a four. Yeah, I will give yeah. it a four. Yeah. Me yep. too. Four. I'll give it a four. All right, cool. So that's four for the Guardians. Okay, uh, thing. I know that Sean, you're, you're joining us from work, and you probably have to head off and sort stuff. Yeah, out. I do have to get going pretty quick. So, next, so, next week, yeah. Mm, yeah, Sean, go on. Go I was just going to say, so the next thing is like, who do you think won this week? Oh, it's close, 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 close. I'm just going to give it. I think streaming may have pipped it by a minuscule amount. I was going to say, I think streaming has pipped it. Just. You guys so would be correct because streaming has pipped it on an average of four stars because everything on streaming had a four this week and um, uh, cinema sort of like went on an average of <laughs> around a four but ended up on a three point five <laughs> in total, three point five. So yeah, that's that's so that's everything. I think it's, this. I think this has been a really good week. I think it's been a really good week. I don't think there's anything we watched that we hated, and so it's it's quite good. I mean, this this late in the year and everything like that, it's good to actually to have that. But anyway, until next week, in which it will probably just be Sharon and I again because Holly's over. I'm not available next week. <laughs> Sean's I'll not be, available. I'll be, I'll be in the air. I'll be in the. I'll be well, providing things are all right. But I'll be flying to Las Vegas in um next Thursday. Ooh. So I'll actually be on a plane when you're doing the blog. Otherwise, I would have. I don't think I'd be able to do it from a plane. But no, I might. 
I don't know what the Wi-Fi situation is on planes nowadays. But, uh, but okay, so that's going to happen. Sharon's away. Holly's away. So it's going to be me. So until next week, when it shall be me <laughs> talking to myself about what I have seen or not managed to get to the cinema to see. It's a uh, goodbye from me. Uh, it's a goodbye from me. Okay, okay, you guys have started doing that. Side you doing that in tandem. But anyway, Sean, when you get to Vegas, I want you to recreate a scene from Honeymoon in Vegas, dress up as an okay. Elvis impersonator, and like you know, yeah. do some Nicolas Cage stuff down the strip. Nicolas Cage, yeah. Okay, okay. We got. Is it...